0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcon's Flyover. <laughs> John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The
2: Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Tuesday evening, 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. This year night, look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. We'll talk to our buddy Eric Edholm coming up at 820 uh, this evening. Um, So we've got a little bit of a scheduling change. So, I guess top of the hour, Oren, we go right into the uh, Frisco Bowl. So, we're going to the Frisco Bowl. That's Marshall and UTSA coming up at the top of the next hour. So, uh, I was untruthful. I did not know that – I did not realize that we were having the uh, Frisco Bowl. So, uh, that's my bad. So, I'll take the uh, blame for all of that. Um, Pro football focus grades from the game against the Panthers. Here's your top five offensive grades. John U. Smith was an 89.4. Kyle Pitts a 74.2. Tyler Algier a 71.5. Kadero Hodge a 67.9. And Drake London and Tucker Fisk at 66.9. Can I ask you a question, Oren? Has John U. Smith had a better year than Kyle Pitts? Absolutely he has. Okay for what you got value wise from him and production wise too. Yeah, absolutely. If I if I said to you if we had Janu Smith and Michael Pruitt as our two main tight ends, would you be happy with that? Well, that meant that we probably didn't take Kyle Pitts number 4 overall and then maybe we took like somebody else there. So I guess yes, maybe, possibly. Yes. Could you could you live with could you live with Jonu Smith and Michael Pruitt being your two? And again, you can mix in Tucker Fisk or whatever. But I'm talking about your two main pass catching tight ends. Michael Pruitt and uh John Smith. Would you be would you be satisfied with that? Yeah, I would be satisfied I with that. Too. I would too. I I would too. Like I think both of those guys have had good years. I think Jonu Smith had a very good year for this team this year. So Anyway, um top 5 defensive grades. Uh Calais Campbell in 83. Take Graham, who got his first sack of his career, seventy-nine-two. Demarco Hellums, who continues. So basically, we've benched Reggie or Richie Grant, huh? How's that draft worked out for the Falcons? Kyle Pitts number one and Richie Grant number two. How's that draft worked out? Anyway, uh, Lorenzo Carter seventy-four-three. AJ Terrell a seventy-one-six. Then some of your notables: uh, Storm Norton sixty-six-seven. Desmond was a forty-four point six. Bijan was a 38. Keith Smith was a 37. Jesse Bates the third at 63.3. Richie Grant at a 48.3. Jeff Okuda at a 40.6. And Albert Huggins at a 30.3. That's some rough grades. A lot now, of uh, fails in there, yes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of F uh, grades uh, in there. Now, the Falcons did make a move today. They released defensive lineman Travis Bell, who, by the way, is what? He's the first player in the NFL from Kennesaw State, right? First guy to be on an active roster and also be a guy that played in a regular season NFL game from Kennesaw State. So kudos to Kennesaw State. Obviously, I mean, listen, Coach Bohannon. Done a magnificent job there, but that's good. But, again, look, I mean, these kinds of moves, you know, unless you just show out, you know, nothing really kind of happens. But, again, uh, congratulations to Travis Bell. Look, again, he got a chance to play in an NFL game, so good for him out of Kennesaw State. All right, let's uh, get to some audio. Let's hear from the head coach talking yesterday to the media. Here's what he had to say about dealing with the calls for his job.
3: That's what you signed up for, right? I mean that's, and I don't mean that to try to sound like bravado, but like I said, you want to, you want these jobs, and which, you deal with the consequences. That's what you want. You want to be judged, and don't lose sight of that. You're in the most competitive league, and and that's that's a reality when you're not going the way that you, you don't get the results you want right now. So that's goes with the job.
2: Yeah, but you know how you you know how you don't have to worry about that stuff. You win. Like. I, Again, and I know it's easier said than done, but win. Beat a 1-12 team. Beat the Arizona Cardinals who were dreadful, who had one win at that point. Beat those teams. And we're talking about a different story. Yeah, there's still issues, play calling this end. But again, everybody, the entire world was now on Arthur Smith being fired. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody signs up for... Hey, man, I'll, I've got everybody on my side to fire me. Nobody signs up for that. Here's Arthur on what this team hasn't done well as he as well as well he thought they would. Uh,
3: there been a couple of factors here there. I mean, you're talking about a fine line of a couple of games and not closing out. A couple things that, you know, were, you know, we cost ourselves some points where, you know, things that you have a chance to get in a rhythm or create momentum and, you know, made it hard on ourselves, which allowed some teams to hang around and make the situations the end the game be different. So yeah, I mean, those are things. But again, that's kind of like the question Jeff asked. If you believe in what you're doing. Like I said, I mean, you look at the history, of a lot of businesses, a lot of industries, and, and uh, you just hope you, you know, it's got to happen sooner than later. And you hope that what you're doing, you see it. But you got to be on the other side of that results. And you're not as far away as you think.
2: Well, look, the NFL is a game that's about five or six plays. And you don't, have, you don't have these huge momentum swings. You you get these things that five or six plays decide the outcome of a game. And you have to tighten those things up. I don't, Again, I don't care what position it comes from. You have to tighten those things up. So, again, I... I'm, I'm at a loss on this. Uh, here's Arthur Smith. Uh, if he thinks he's failing as a head coach.
3: Look, Jeff, I mean, I think anytime you, you're not where you want to be, I don't think you – sometimes you look at failure, and certainly you can say it's catastrophic or you can it can teach you a valuable lesson. You know, sometimes what is the fine line? I mean, you, things happen sometimes where you, you feel like you're close and you're not getting the results you want. And there's a couple of things you need to tweak, and then you have that breakthrough. You know, it would be one thing if we were – getting blown out and just hopeless. Uh, it's frustrating when you've been in some of these close games and you haven't gotten it done for a variety of reasons. But if you look at, at those setbacks and as a moment that as long as you still got life, you can improve. I mean, that could be your, your greatest success could come after that. And that's what you, if that's what you honestly believe or, or you become a victim and look to blame others. So our, our reality is its right, what we are, six and eight. Um, we're going to keep fighting, and we got to go win this game. Let's see what happens.
2: Okay. This will tell me more about Arthur Smith than anything else as far as I think Arthur Smith is going to be back next year, barring a three-game collapse of losses at the end of the year. They lose like five in a row. He's gone, okay? But if he wins one of the – I do believe Arthur Blank is looking for every reason to keep him around, Okay. Let's say he's back next year. Can he self-analyze and self-assessment? Even Dan Quinn, remember, had to give up the play calling and the defensive control at one point, right? Even Dan in his dying days had to give up what what he does best. And that's running the defense. Had to turn it over to other people. Arthur might be your head coach, but can he bring in a quarterback coach? Or a play caller, or an OC that actually does something, can he self-assess himself enough to change that part? Because that will tell you a lot. If he goes in status quo next year, they're not going to win enough games. All right, here's uh, his message for the fans.
3: Sure, I mean I, I understand. I mean that that's a, that's a responsibility. That's my job, right? And that's never lost on me. When you when you take these jobs, I mean you. you uh, you're fortunate as hell. You know, you get those. It's really lucky to get to do what you love to do. And you care deeply about, you know, the organization, not just about you. It's about the players. It's about everybody that works here. And it is about the fans because otherwise you wouldn't have this job. And certainly it, we're not where we want to be. And we've lost some close games. Um, but it's not over. And we will die trying to make sure we get this right.
2: Well, I get all that. That still is not going to make the fans feel any better, folks. I get that, and I, and I understand that part of it, too. It's just words at this point, right? I mean, Dan had a lot of rah-rah speeches and different things like that, but eventually the message fell flat. This message feels like it's falling flat. Well, you know, I know my responsibility. That message is flat. Go out and win. All right, let's get to Arthur Blank talking to Jeff Hullinger. So here's what Arthur had to say about Coach Arthur Smith.
4: So in 2024, is Arthur Smith going to be your head football coach for your team? Well, when we, you know, we, we're committed to Coach Smith. Uh, we're uh, going to play these last three games. We play them to win them. And uh, we'll let the season play out and go from there. Uh, obviously this has not been the kind of year we expected and I you would hear that first first from coach Smith you'd hear it from our fans you'd hear it from our players so we understand that We understand the challenges so at the end of the year we'll you know assess where we are and go from there does he have to get to the playoffs to come back no I don't I mean I I that was never really a requirement the requirement was that we have a you know a more competitive team this year a winning team this year um and I think that you know through this part of the season it's been mixed, uh, quite honestly. And that's what I think. That's uh, what the coach would say. Um, you know, and he's Arthur is a very, um, very honest, uh, uh, very. Um, he looks himself very critically. So he's not. You know, he comes from a beautiful family, um, that that, you know, has great values. Uh, and he reflects those values in his leadership as best okay, he we, can. We, we okay, we get it. So no, I, I, you we, know, we got we we'll we got s-
2: Okay, here's the thing. That this, this is my only issue with the way that question started off, where Jeff asked him, okay, is Arthur Smith going to be the head coach for your football team in 2024? If you know Arthur Blank at all, have any inkling about Arthur Blank, he is not going to give you a definitive yes, and he's not going to give you a definitive no. He's not going to answer that question straight on, head on, the way that fans want him to answer it. That that will always be his default answer. Well, we'll analyze at the end of the year, and it hasn't gone the way. And I understand that, and, and I'm, I am I'm okay with that. But when you ask that question, you better know going into it, you are not going to get a definitive yes or no. That's never going to happen. You may want it, but it's never going to happen. All right, let me hear Arthur real quickly on Desmond Ritter.
4: The quarterback situation's been tough this year. It has been tough. Yeah, um, we certainly, you know, had high hopes for Desmond Ritter, and and uh, he's done a lot of good things for us this year. But you know, hasn't he would be the first to tell you he hasn't been the kind of consistent performer that you know we'd like him to be. And in this business, uh, the NFL business or the business of college ball, you have turnovers. It's uh, it's a very tough, very tough uh, thing to overcome. And so, it's a public, public business. Yeah. You got to please the fans. Yeah. Well, you got to please the fans, but um, it, it's not. It is about pleasing the fans, but it's about really uh, putting a product on the field that you know represents the best um, of our roster, the best of what we can put together. And in my case, you know, it's it's uh, having the best people that we can who are making the critical decisions. I don't want to be in a position ever of having to pick players. I've never done that. I wouldn't know how to do it. I'm like a fan in that regard. I have opinions, but you know, so does Jeff, and so does everybody else in Atlanta. Um, But I think uh, it's really making sure we have the right people, making sure they're fully empowered, make sure they have all the resources, um, and that they're making the decisions that we should make to. Put a winning product on the field, and uh, and that's their job.
2: Okay, I will say, and I said this earlier in the show. This will tell me everything I need to know about Terry Fontenot, because if he doesn't take a quarterback in the first round of this draft, then he he's then he's the next one that's got to be questioned about whether or not he should stay or go. It's really simple. Again, you can't worry about best athlete, best fit, best this, best. You you have to have a quarterback. You have to have a quarterback to be successful in the NFL. There's no getting around. Unless you're historically good at other places, you have to have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback right now. That can be consistent enough without mucking it up. Eric at home is going to join us from NFL Network. Chuck Green, the studio Sports right now the game. modesty.com app. Call from mom. Answer it.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuck Reece show, hanging out in the Kia Studios with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, listen, uh, it's dreadful times for the Atlanta Falcons, and I know a lot of emotional reaction about uh, what will happen, what could happen, what might happen, what may not even happen. Say la vie, John. Say la vie. vie. Yeah. I mean, the great Robbie Neville bringing us back. So um, let's head out to the waitforward.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy who is in tune with the NFL, covers the NFL, NFL draft especially, our buddy Eric Edholm. Check him out. His working on, uh, uh, sorry, check out his work at NFL.com. And you can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Eric underscore at home. Eric, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show in Atlanta. It's um, not really good times right now as uh, a Falcons <laughs> fan. It's, it's kind of rough here.
1: I understand why I really do. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's hurts more obviously because of the division they're in. Right. I mean, if, if you're having a six and eight season, things aren't going your way. It's it's probably not a, a pleasant experience anyway, but, you know, there were some expectations coming into the season, maybe quiet ones, but I think, you know, cautiously optimistic people said, like myself, I mean, <laughs> I thought they could 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 maybe win that division. I thought they and the Saints were kind of the two best position teams and maybe the Bucks too, but, um, yeah, it's just it's kind of gotten away from them, you know, <laughs> like like some of these fourth quarters have. I mean, that's just the way to, to spin it. I mean, there was that brief little hope went over the Saints – The Jets thing wasn't pretty, and it's just kind of tumbled from there recently.
2: Well, you know, Eric, I have consistently said, I mean, the biggest disappointment for me this year, when you look at the caliber of teams that they've played, when you look at the caliber of quarterbacks, whether it's new start guys, guys coming back from injury, you look at the head coaches. I mean, you look at – you will never get a more – um, I, I, advantage. Yeah, a, a more yeah. advantageous schedule ever, probably as a franchise than what the Falcons have had this year, and they have not been able to capitalize on a single solitary bit of it.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You know, and and, and you know, I think it, it puts a little bit of a you know, perspective on what the defense has done. Because, I mean, statistically, I mean, again, I haven't really looked in the last 10 minutes or anything. But, you know, they've been in that top 10 or 12 range in a lot of defensive categories mm-hmm. for, for big chunks of the year. But then, obviously, in some key games where you see higher point totals, you know, more, more drives late in the game, given up, things like that, uh, and then put the, the perspective you just did on. And I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was quite as bad until I sort of – rolled through the teams that you mentioned. And so, yeah, it's true. And when you have those things roll in your favor, you never apologize for them. You have to take advantage of right. them, right? You, right? you say, let's go. This is our, this is our, I mean, there were how many invitations throughout the season, right? I mean, every Bucks loss, every Saints loss, yep. it was just like somebody step up in this
2: division. And right now it seems like it's Tampa. Well, well Eric, as I always say, there are no BCS computers or Harris polls in or playoff right. committees in the NFL. Like just win and it doesn't matter. But so let me yeah. ask let me ask you about something involved with the draft cuz what I said tonight earlier in the show at this point I don't I don't want to hear best available. I don't want to hear about best fit or this that you have to wherever you draft whether you win the division and you're 1920 or whether you're in the top 10, you know, out of the playoffs. You have to draft a first-round quarterback. And when I look at this draft, I think there are a sprinkling of guys. But it feels like, and and I want to get your first blush on this, it feels like you have a group of guys that could be more toward the top in Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. And then Mm -hmm. you have that next group where there's going to be a gap of of guys in between and then maybe late teens, 20s, where you get into the Bo Nix and the Michael Penix and guys like that—are you looking at it that way? Like in your early blush analysis, is it kind of shaping up that way, or do you see a lot of those guys more together?
1: Yeah. So I think you know, and I have to be careful because I'm not allowed to officially project underclassmen. I wink, right. wink. I think we right. all kind of know anybody who spent uh, you know more than two minutes looking at the draft so far you know, you kind of have an idea who's projected to be one, two, two, one. You get the idea. Um, I think you're right on about Daniels right now being in that third spot, but I would give him a, a fighter's chance to infiltrate the top of the draft. So that really presents some interesting scenarios, obviously, and, you know, kind of gives us a repeat of last year a little bit. I mean, I think a step up, you know, the volume cranked up to 11 on this group compared to last year, but still some questions about all these guys, not perfect, you know, specimens or anything that we're looking at as generational, but p- potentially generational with with, with uh, Caleb and May. And certainly Daniels had one of the best seasons we've seen in forever. So, I mean, I think that's right. I would say I don't know that I'm hearing a, a, at least what I had heard up until a certain point. I haven't made a lot of calls recently, but I don't think Michael is the first-round pick. And you could talk me into Bo Nix and in that kind of Will Levis range a little bit um but we'll see I mean there's a lot of you know we don't know who's going to the senior bowl and whatnot and we don't know you know who who all's in the draft pool from the quarterback we know Carson Beck's coming back so yeah it's it's an interesting group it really is I it's a, we knew it'd be deeper than last year and I think it is but you know it's got some similar qualities to it. Maybe just a tiny bit better overall.
2: And Eric has, has maybe some of that depth been hurt because we do know Carson Beck is coming back. Riley Leonard is coming back. I mean, so there, there are some guys that are, you know, coming back to college, even, even if it's, you know, again, going Riley Leonard going to Notre Dame or whatever, but you know, still those are some guys that would be in the mix as far as, you know, your top 10, 12 quarterbacks and things like that. So, is it you know first blush is it kind of more top heavy and we're losing yeah. some of that depth
1: top heavy and bottom heavy i think is how i would describe it mm-hmm. meaning i think there are draftable quarterbacks who are not players that you're realistically thinking about in before day 3 but uh but they have some traits or they you know they've got something interesting about them so you know yeah i think the we, we never really seem to get a ton of those second and third rounders. Obviously, Ritter in that class was an unusual one. That was probably the most we'd had in that range in, in a long time. So it ends up being kind of first round or, or, you know, really high second, and then a little bit of a gap until we get to the next batch. And I think that's
2: probably how it's going to be, more of the end of the, the draft kind of quarterbacks. Are, are you of my thinking that I, I don't know how – you, you can't if you're the Falcons, I don't know how you can't draft a quarterback in the first round. like I, I again I, I I understand GMs talk about best available and all yeah when, when you have when you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you have and again, the reality is they draft a quarterback in the first round, it won't work out. I can live with that because again, that's yeah. the league. But you have to throw your darts at those guys, right? I mean, you have to be willing to risk your draft capital to find one of those guys. Again, nobody knew that Pat Mahomes was going to be a multi-time, three-time Super Bowl champion when they drafted him. But it, it, it came out that way. And I'm not saying, I, again, I'm not comparing everybody. But, again, you, you don't find those guys usually in the fourth, fifth round. You have to draft That's them true. in the first round.
1: Right. Or what I think might be an option for for a team like the Falcons is to kick the tires on a Justin Fields trade. You know, I mean, I don't know that the Bears are going to be exceptionally greedy with that. I mean, if they end up moving and this is all kind of just hypothetical, Mm -hmm. right? Let's say they've seen Fields' peak and it's pretty good. I mean, like, you know, it's not like Justin Fields hasn't played some good football the last two years. He really has. But you know there's always this sense in chicago of like i think they had their height, sights set super high like this is going to be our our nuclear weapon like everyone else has and you know it's not quite that so obviously we know you know the connections to the area are one thing but i think he would also mesh really well with the you know the offensive talent the falcons have put together that you know that would be a fun offense to see in in the right hands and you know, I think there's obviously something to work with there. I really do. I mean, it's it's crazy they haven't been able to score more, right? And when you step back and think about it, you built that offensive line, you paid some guys, you have those first round pick skill guys. I mean, it has gotta
2: come together better better. That, next gotta have year. That tri- you gotta have that trigger to that man. Guy. I mean, you gotta yeah. have that trigger man, Eric. I mean you got you gotta you gotta be able to yeah. have that trigger guy, you know, to have all those weapons. So Eric Edholm covers the NFL and NFL draft. Check out all of his work at NFL.com. Follow him on his personal Twitter page at Eric underscore Edholm. He joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. As always, Eric, appreciate a few minutes on the show, buddy. Thanks for, uh, for your time. We will chat again very soon here. Have a great night. Have you, a great holiday. You, you got you it. Me, Thanks, man. Eric. Appreciate it, buddy. When we get back, uh, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to hear from Scott Bear coming back. We're going to play that interview and because um, we're getting out of here top of the hour, we got the Frisco Bowl. Um, by the way, did you see Doritos has a vodka out now? A, a Doritos flavored vodka. Good for them, I guess? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, speaking of throwing up, uh, I'll, I'll drink some of that if the Falcons don't draft quarterback at number one. There you go. I make uh, yourself so puke. Yes. All right, Chuck we're in the studio. Sports right now at the game. .com now. Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Tucker's show live on this Tuesday evening with you. Coming off of, I think it's probably the most disappointing loss uh, of the season. And uh, I don't really think that there's a whole lot of doubt. Obviously, a very ugly game, both on the field and weather and everything else that surrounded it. But um, we live to fight uh, another day. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Scott Bear. He's the digital managing editor for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can follow Scott on his personal Twitter page, at NFL, And, uh, Scott, um, you know, listen, I, I know a lot of folks are really frustrated. They reach out to me on Twitter. I know everybody, you know, hears it and things like that. But still three games to go, um, and, and I don't think really anything is going to change too drastically, the quarterback aside. But nothing I don't think is going to happen over these next three weeks. They'll look at everything and analyze at the end of the season, and that maybe is when changes happen, but I don't think anything for now drastic is going to happen.
5: Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I don't think that um, that uh, the Falcons are going to make any rash choices. They're going to take some time, evaluate their situation coming out of these three games. Obviously, it's just so crazy, this eight-day swing, that they go into that Tampa Bay game trying to create separation in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about controlling their own destiny. And eight games later, they're talking about being behind the pace in the NFC South and behind in the primary tiebreakers should everything get get, get even at the end of the year. I, I think their uh, playoff percentage, according to the New York Times Playoff Simulator, is about 11%. That's a lot of doom and gloom, and I think it's fair for fans to be frustrated. Arthur Smith said it's fair for fans to be frustrated. I'm frustrated. It's below expectation. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're at this stage in the year – and it has not turned out ultimately the way the Falcons wanted it to. I do not think we see any sort of in-season firing, anything like that. There's only three games left. Play out the string. See what happens.
2: You know, Scott, the thing that frustrates me the most about this season is everything really set up. And when I say that, they, they, the, the NFC South right now has the lowest winning percentage as a division in the history of the NFL. So since divisional play has taken place in the NFL, the the NFC South right now in 2023 has the lowest winning percentage in NFL history, and they have played a bunch of, you know, first-time starting quarterbacks, guys that don't have a lot of experience, backup quarterbacks. They've played a lot of bad football teams. What frustrates me the most is they have not been able to take advantage of of an ideal situation. Because, again, we can talk about winning the division. If you win the division, no matter how bad you are, you play a first-place schedule last year or next year. Because, again, that's how the, the, the pecking order of divisional uh, play works. And everything's set up schedule-wise for the Falcons, and yet they have not been able to take advantage of any of it.
5: Yeah, I, I have this theory that if you can take care of business against the um, weaker teams and then go 500 against the the like better squads you're going to end up in the playoffs right mm-hmm. 500 against good teams clean house against teams that you should beat, right and you look at their strength of schedule both before the season and now that the season has gone on they've faced a bunch of teams that look beatable on paper that that look that teams that have struggled and when you look back at the track record, you're re- you are what your record says that you are. But I think that there's an additional level of context that I'm glad that you brought up, is that there's a loss to the three-win Cardinals. There's a loss to the two-win Panthers. There's a loss to the four-win, the wheels have completely come off Washington Commanders. And those and, and you mentioned those quarterbacks. They faced four quarterbacks making their NFL debut or their first start with the, with the team that season. Kyler Murray, uh, Will Levis, uh, Dobbs, and, of course, Bryce Young at the start of the season. And ultimately, those are opportunities that you look at and you feel like you've got to take advantage of those. And I think that they've been in position to take advantage of those, but it's, there's so many buzzwords now, critical mistakes, these, all, like, these types of things where it's not whether they're going to make the critical mistakes or not, it's whether they can overcome them. Right, and they haven't overcome them eno- enough, even against, as you put it,
2: a, a-, a schedule that was right for the picking. Digital Managing Editor for the Atlanta Falcons.com, Scott Baer, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Now, I- I'm going to say it like this um, I-, I-, I understand the idea of drafting best player available or different things like that. I, I get that argument, okay? But I think at this point, no matter where the Falcons end up, whether it, whether they end up winning the division and it's somewhere 19, 20, whatever, or if things bottom out and they're in the top 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever, I think you have to go quarterback. And, and I don't really think that there is much of an option right now. Even if you think Desmond Ritter is the guy, I think you have to pull the string on a first-round quarterback and and just roll the dice on it. And listen, more than likely, you're not going to hit on that pick because very rarely do, you know, team – I mean, it's only about 45% success rate in first-round quarterbacks. But this feels like a spot where you have to pull the trigger on a quarterback in the first round. I think when you look at it, I
5: I think it's fair to say that that Atlanta needs to be in the quarterback market next year. I I, I think it's hard to assume that you can go in – With the same signal callers, both of which are under contract, Desmond and uh, Taylor Heineke, both of which are under contract, and then just kind of add competition. I think it is time to go out and try to establish that type of first round talent. Um, I I think that's a possibility because if you dip into free agency or trades, sometimes you're dealing with two things. One, the quarterback market ain't going down, mm-hmm. right? And it's, so, and it's not about who's the best quarterback. It's about who's available next. Like everybody hates Derek Carr's contract. Well, he was the next dude available, right? So that, so that, that is the trend going upward. So how much um, money do you want to invest in an older player or if you trade with someone on their, like on their a rookie deal? I get asked about Justin Fields all the time. He's going to go into his third year, meaning you're closer to an extension than you've ever been, right? That that math gets a little choppier, and I'm not saying that Justin Fields is the guy. I'm just saying if you were to trade for a guy on his rookie contract, you're already eating into that. So you look to the draft. You look to I'm, – I'm no draft expert, but from what I've heard and read, sounds like a deep quarterback draft class, and you go out there, and when you talk about first-round quarterbacks, right, there's another element here because sometimes it's not just sit around and wait at whatever position you're at. It's about, did you fall in love with one? Do do you really uh, believe in one? And what kind of capital is it going to take to get it? So free um, agency-wise, trade-wise, or having to trade up in the draft, getting a quarterback is an expensive proposition, and that's why even though the percentages, as you brought up, are low, it's something that the Falcons, in my opinion, have to entertain as we move forward.
2: You know, Scott, even Dan Quinn got to a point where – he had to give up defensive play calling and, and give up running the defense and things like that and turn it over to other people. You know, if, if Arthur Smith is going to be here next year, do they need to get a quarterback coach or let somebody else call the plays or just something different, a different voice and, and somebody different that looks at this offense, whether it's from 30,000 feet or three feet, but somebody else that looks at this unit and says, I can do something with it?
5: Yeah, I'm going to say something that I think a lot of your listeners probably won't like. Um, I think Arthur Smith is a really creative offensive mind who understands the flow of a game and is, can be a pretty good play caller. I, that's what I think. I can hear the outrage and your, your phone lines filling up quickly. But I'm going to mm-hmm. stick with that. But I will go back to, I think, what is a larger point here. Is that to get another voice in the room is not a bad idea, especially when it comes to maybe somebody from a you know kind of passing game specialist or somebody with some uh, somebody else to add to this mix. Um, I don't think that that can hurt. I feel like as you move forward, right when you're talking about no matter how this season ends up, unless it ends up with uh, with a playoff berth, I think you have to do what the Falcons have been pretty good at and what Arthur Smith has been really good at is being objective and understanding what's right. What's wrong is everything on the table and everything has to be on the table expanding your staff. I don't think Arthur Blank would hide his checkbook if they wanted to go hire another kind of top level offensive mind. I think adding that to the mix, trying to change some things up, trying to improve some things uh, can only help.
2: So looking at, you know, moving forward, um, you know, this is a tough test this weekend, um, you know, Indy, you know, for all the Gardner Minshew and all this kind of stuff, they've played well. I mean, that that division has been, you know, kind of creeping upward as far as how good Jacksonville has played. And, you know, again, I know the loss, you know, on, on Monday or Sunday night or whatever it was. But but again, Jacksonville has played well, you know, of late. Indianapolis has played well, you know, of late. You, you look at the rest of the way, uh, this is not going to be easy. And, and I know the idea... Yes, it's been bad teams that we're playing, but anytime you go to New Orleans and play, when you're playing the Colts, you know, that that's kind of but you know, a little bit on the rise, like this is not going to be a very easy task to try to find whether it's one, two, or three wins the rest of the way.
5: Yeah, it's it's gonna be difficult and I've I've been slow to acknowledge Indianapolis as a real contender. I just kind of look at the roster and you've seen Minshew and I always had an eyebrow raised, like when's the bottom going to fall out of this little run? But I can't help but acknowledge the fact that they're 8-6, and and they're tied for the division lead, and they got a lot to play for. Um, The one thing that I will say is this is a good character group in the locker room. I know fans care about wins and losses and what happens on Sunday, but I think in order to get this thing pointed in the right direction, to go out there and win a game, I think that the leadership is good enough to keep everybody focused and pointing in that direction. But if you go back to the start of the season, maybe you look at that Colts game and you go W right. Green pen. Now I think it's pretty much up in the air. And after the last two games, you have to put everything up in the air because you look at uh, Chicago, they've won some, and they look pretty dynamic at times with what Justin Fields and DJ Moore can do. And as you pointed out, uh, new Orleans may be playing for all the marbles. Maybe the Falcons are playing for all the marbles uh, then. So I do think that in terms of easier stretches of the season, this is not one.
2: Scott, last question for you. And the other part of this, too, is um, I know a lot of fans, and I say fans because they, they have the emotional investment, and I, and I get that. But they look at the move with Heineke as, you know, tanking or whatever or, you know, the Falcons are going to throw in the towel. I, I say this all the time, Scott. If you're a player and you put quit on tape, you won't play in the league anymore. Coaches don't want to see that. Front office personnel don't want to see that. So I expect them, coaching, playing, whatever, they're going to come out and fire their missiles, but they are not going to tank and try to quit. And I know that's a convenient narrative, but if you do those kinds of things, you won't be in the league.
5: Yeah, go back and watch that Chargers-Raiders tape, right? The Chargers... Um, and I've covered both of those teams, Chargers look like they handed it in, right? Um, that's not what we've ever seen from this, from this Atlanta team. And I look at the move to Heineke, I, th- I think that, that that's a tanking move. I think it's the opposite. Uh, I think that, that Arthur Smith is, is trying to look at it and figure what gives us the best chance to win. This team needs to win. It needs to win three games. It needs to win the next game. Something to get them off of this current, trend that they're on which is a struggling offense and a defense that looks pretty good until the last drive of the game right and that somehow those things have to be remedied and I I think that they look at it and they see look Desmond Ritter maybe is a better quarterback overall than Heineke but when you look at it you cannot afford red he has six red zone turnovers you cannot afford that Taylor Heineke I think they look at it as gives give them the best chance to win, can avoid those critical errors in those moments, and give them a shot. And that's really what they need. I look at this team as still believing that it's alive, still hungry, and trying to fix these things because ultimately their expectation is as high as anybody's. Calais Campbell, Jesse Bates cannot stop saying, Caden uh, Nellis. We expected to go on runs, and that's not happening. And I I think that's disappointing. I think there's a lot of pride in that room. There's a lot of veterans in that room that are not going to lie down for any circumstance because, as you pointed out, it's always about the next contract, right? It's always about your standing Mm -hmm. and respect in the league, and you need to put your best out there or you'll get exposed, and everybody in the league will notice that. So whether you're pulling for the team, you're pulling for the – Logo on the side of the helmet, the name on the back of the jersey, you want to show well. I believe the Falcons will do whatever they can to show well. Whether that ends up in in a victory, time will tell, but I don't question their effort.
2: Well, I'll leave you with this, Scott. The only thing I know for sure about the future of the Falcons is that I don't know anything. Um, So we'll see what happens. He is the digital managing editor for AtlantaFalcons.com. Scott Bear joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Check out his personal Twitter page, at ScottBearNFL. And, Scott, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show. I know it's not fun times for any of us, but uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, you know having a good chat with me as always.
5: Yeah, man, thank you very much. And I always like the rational discourse. Sometimes <laughs> you don't get that very much, but uh, I will always take that when I can get it. Thank, thank you very much for the time, sir.
2: Yep, thanks, Scott. John Schrecker, We will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. The